First of all, I'd just like to say uh, I appreciate the looks of the auditorium with all the new carpet and the, all the, the, the uh, new uh, seat here on the podium and then also the, the drapes. I think it really looks good. And I understand that they were going to put some new indoor, outdoor, outside, maybe on the steps uh, sometime in the future. So that's great. And, uh, you know... Uh, it seems like this congregation is a, has a, is a glutton for punishment. You know, they, they keep asking me to try to speak. And uh, there's two things that will come from me speaking today. One thing is that you'll find out that I'm not a preacher. And the second thing is you'll find out that you've got an awful good preacher in Randy Bobby. <laughs> and, and we appreciate Randy so much, you know, uh, and his ability in proclaiming the gospel of Christ. One lady came in this morning and had a bag with her, and she said, I brought my lunch with me. I said, well, I hope we don't, we don't stay that long, you know. Uh, like the little boy that was uh, sitting squirming in the seat, you know, and the preacher was preaching. He got down to Romans 6, and he said, what shall we say then? And the little boy said, say amen, and let's go home. <laughs> but... <laughs> Uh, so we're going to try not to be here that long, but this is really, I think, an important lesson in the world today. And as, uh, he read for us the text in Ephesians 4, but it, it covers pretty well all, most of the chapter, but it's, I, I titled it Admonitions to Purity and Faithfulness. And certainly there's not anything any more important than that. Once we become a Christian, we've got to remain pure and faithful in order to uh, reach our goal, and which is that's heaven, of course. Uh, admonitions means to give somebody a kind counsel, advice. That's admonitions. Purity, to be pure in heart, you know, in, in the Beatitudes, he said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Uh, purity, it means simple, true, and genuine. Also, faithfulness. What does faithfulness mean? Faithfulness means it firm in your convictions. Constancy would be another word for it. In James 4, in verse 8, he says, Draw now unto God, and he'll draw now unto you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So there's that word, purify your heart. And he's talking about the Bible heart, of course, here. You know, in... This world today, God and the world are diametrically opposed. That means we're just like that with the world. God is like that with the world. Diametrically opposed. On one hand, God is good, he's pure, he's holy. And on the other hand, the world is impure, it's profane, it's sinful, and it's deceitful. We, sometimes we can't even put any confidence in what people tell us, you know, and that's terrible. Listen at 1 John 2, verses 15 through 17. He says, Love not the world, neither the things are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. He says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, these things are not of the Father, but are of the world. And then he goes ahead in verse 17, says, And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Isn't that a wonderful thought? He that doeth the will of God abideth forever. In James 4 and 4, James says, Ye adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God. And whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world, maketh himself an enemy 
of God. So we can say from that that God want, desires us to be pure and to be faithful in His service. In 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 2, Paul told the Corinthians, he said, I've espoused you to one husband, that he might present them a pure virgin unto Christ. And in Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it's impossible to please God, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek after him. God, you know, in the beginning made man in his own image. If we look in Genesis 1 and verse 27, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. So God created man in the beginning. But man turned his back on God. You recall in the Garden of Eden when, when Eve sinned and then she gave the fruit to her husband and he sinned. Man turned his back on God, but God has prepared a way for our redemption, to buy us back. So our falling away from God necessitates a reconciliation. We have to be brought back to God some way or another. In 2 Corinthians 5.18, he says, And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. That's the way of reconciliation right there. And hath given us to the ministry of reconciliation. In 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, it says, If a man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, behold all things are become uh, new. Peter tells us in 2 Peter 1 and 4, he says, Whereby are given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises, that by these ye may be partakers of the divine nature. There's the key to it, see. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And then he says we have to continue to grow in the divine likeness. In 2 Peter 1, verses 5 through 10, he says here, and besides this, add to your faith virtue, virtue knowledge, knowledge temperance, temperance patience, patience godliness, godliness brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness love. If these things be in you and abound in you, they make you that you neither be burned nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But whosoever lacketh these things, don't have them, whosoever lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, having forgotten that they have been purged from their own sins. Verse 10, he says, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give, make sure to give your calling, make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. Isn't that great? If we add all of those Christian graces and practice them, we're not going to fall. The chances of our falling is going to be minute. Then, number two, old vices have to be put away. Old sins have to be renounced. We have to put that behind us. In Ephesians 4, 17 through 19, Paul says, I, I say therefore, and testify that you no longer walk as the Gentiles walk, he says, in the vanity of their minds, darkened in their understanding, aliens from the life of God because of ignorance that is in them. And he says, because of the hardness of their heart, who being past feeling gave themselves up to lasciviousness, to work all uncleanliness and greediness. So that's a sad condition for anybody to be in, isn't it? But if we read the first three chapters of Ephesians, uh, 
reading the first three chapters of Ephesians, we have some of these privileges here that we have by being the redeemed of Christ Jesus. Some one of the examples is, is that those who are far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ, Ephesians 2 and verse 13. And then he says that they were made of uh, one new man, soul-making peace, Ephesians 2.15. And then he says we are the workmanship of God, Ephesians 2 and 10. And then he says in 2.19, we are no more strangers but fellow citizens with the saints. That's some, some good things right there. That's what we need to uh, uh, practice and to be in, involved in. So there has to be a moral and a spiritual reformation. This has to take place because of our knowledge in Christ Jesus. If we had a knowledge of Christ and then didn't apply it, it wouldn't do us any good, would it? It would be just like going to the doctor and getting a prescription, bringing it home and throwing it up on the mantle, you know. It wouldn't do us a lick of good there. So that's where the gospel is. But he tells us that some things has to take place because of the result of our knowledge of Jesus Christ. First of all, he says in Ephesians 4 and verse 25, put away lying. Uh, speak every man the truth with his neighbor, for we all members one of another. And our word ought to be our bond. When we say one thing, it ought to be that way. Then he says to be angry and sin not. Verse 4, uh, 26 says, he says, neither give place to the devil. 4.27 We're not to let the sun go down upon our wrath there in verse 26 but neither give place to the devil. What does he mean by saying neither give place to the devil? That means not to give the devil an opening in our life. Don't give him access into our life. You know Peter says in 1 Peter 5 and verse 8 I believe he walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he might devour and we're not ignorant of his devices, and he's going to try to entrap us, to enslave us. So let's not give any place to the devil. Don't give him any opportunity. Then he said, let him that stole steal the more, verse 28. But rather labor working with his hands the things that are good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. There's, there's the benevolent part of it right there. That's why we do, that's part of the Christian life is benevolence. Evangelism and edification is the other two th ways that we can spend the Lord's money. Let him that stole steal no more. And, but he says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Ephesians verse 29. But he says that which is good to the use of edifying. Edify means to build up. So we should speak words that are good to the use of edifying. Number three. When a person becomes a Christian, he's abandoning one manner of life, and he is beginning a new life. And certainly that's what we want to do. In Romans 6, and we mentioned a little bit before there, it says that uh, uh, if we quoted the whole thing, what shall we say that grace may abound, God forbid, how can we the dead sin live any longer therein? Know you not so many of us were baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ is raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we should also walk in newness of life. There's the key, see. Put away the old, begin anew. Uh, in Ephesians 2.12, Paul is speaking here of the Gentiles. He says that at that time you were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. That's one of the saddest conditions a man could be in described right there. Aliens 
no hope without God in a world. And he said in uh, Romans 1, 21-23, Paul says that these Gentiles became vain in their reasoning. Worthless. Their reasoning was worthless. Their senseless hearts was darkened. Uh, they became fools and changed the glory of God into, an into a corruptible man, an image of corruptible man. Number four. When one puts off the old, he has to put on the new. Ephesians 4, verse 20 through 24, he said, But ye did not so learn Christ, if it be so that ye heard him and were taught him in him, even as truth is in Jesus, that ye put away your former conversation, the former manner of life, the old man that waxeth corrupt, after the lust and the deceit, that ye be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man that after God has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. That's the way the new man is supposed to walk, in righteousness and holiness of truth. You know, people learn Christ when they're taught about Christ. Those who know Christ can no longer walk in sin. If we really know Christ, we're not going to habitually walk in sin. We will make mistakes, that's true. But he says uh, in verse 8 of Ephesians, let's see, that's uh, 2, verse 8 through 10. He says, For by grace are you saved through faith. And it is a gift of God, not of yourselves, not of works that any man should glory. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which are... Uh, uh, a time prepared that we should walk in them. We should walk in good works. And then in speaking to the Colossians in chapter 3, he said, Paul says in verse 1, If ye then were risen together with Christ, seek those things that are above, where Christ is seated on the right hand of God. We just seek those things above. That should be our priority is... Matthew 6.33, you know, says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Then in verse 2, he says, Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. And I, thought, I was thinking about Matthew 6 when I read that. 19 through 21, he says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But rather lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Verse 3, he says, For you are dead unto sin, and your life is hid with Christ in God. That's the way we want to be. We want to put the old man of sin away. Number 5, negative goodness by itself is simply not enough. Now what I mean by that, some people think that all they got to do is just leave off doing certain things, you know, and everything's going to be just all right. But Christianity consists not only in leaving off things, but it also consists in doing things. In Matthew seven twenty one, he says, Not everyone saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of the Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, we prophesied in thy name, in thy name, cast out devils. In thy name done many wonderful works, and then I will say unto them, Depart, ye that worketh iniquity, I never knew you. That would be a sad omen to be put upon us, wouldn't it? Then we're to be 
hearers, not hearers only, but doers. James 1.27 says, Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own self. We fool ourselves if we just hear the word and don't do anything about it. You know, life, our life, abhors a vacuum. Abhor means to hate. Our life hates a vacuum if we have a vacuum in our life. That means a void, an emptiness. The evil which we drive out of our life has to be replaced with the good if it's going to do us any good whatsoever. <clears throat> in Matthew 12, 43-45, here Jesus taught a parable, and he said that uh, the unclean spirit, when he's gone out of the man, passeth through waterless places, and he seeks rest, and he findeth it not. And verse 44, he says, I will return to my house from whence I came out of, and when he has come back again, he finds it empty, garnished, and swept. And then 45, verse 45 says, Then goeth he and taketh with him seven other spirits, evil spirits now, uh, uh, that more evil than himself, and they enter in and dwell therein. And the last state is worse with them than the beginning. You know, it... If, what he's saying, if we, in this parable, if we once, we, we, we rid ourselves of sin, but we go out and we turn back and we go back into maybe perhaps with the wrong company and we start sinning again, you know, and we'll get on to another scripture I think is really good a little bit later on about that. But the latter end is going to be worse with him than the first. In Colossians 3, Paul tells us some of the things that we have to remove from our lives. He says in verse 8, But now that ye also put off all these things, anger, wrath, malice, filthy communications out of your mouth. You've heard people that you just hated to be around. They talk so so dirty and so filthy. You know, it would embarrass you just to be around them. But we're to put away these things out of our mouth. And then verse 9 he says, Lie not one to another, seeing that you put off the old man with his deeds. And verse 10, and having put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. That's the new man. There's some positive things then that we need to do after we put away these things. First one is, uh, uh, he says, uh, we are to forbear one another, Paul said. He says, I, for, I therefore... The prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthily of the vocation wherein you are called, with all long-suffering, meekness, forbearing one another in love. That's Ephesians 4, verse 1. We want to forgive one another, you know. Some people don't want to forgive, you know, if they ever get something on you or against you. Uh, they're not willing to forgive and, and take a new route. There was a joke they used to tell about a man that was plowing with his old mule, and he was out in the field, and he'd get to the end of the field. He'd just jerk the reins and jerk him around that way and go back to the other end and jerk the reins that way. Never said a word to him. Somebody come along and said, How come you just jerk that mule around at the end of the row and don't say nothing to him? He said, Well, 20 years ago he kicked me, and I said then I'd never speak to him again as long as I lived. <laughs> but we can't have that attitude, you know. We have to have a forgiving uh, attitude. We have to let the peace of God rule our hearts. And he tells us in Colossians 3.16, we sometimes quote this verse uh, along with our singing, and rightfully so, because it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another 
in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart unto the Lord. So, these are some of the positive points that we are to fill this vacuum that we created by taking all of the sin out of our lives. In uh, Titus 2, 11 and 12, I remember Brother Randall quoting this uh, Wednesday night, I believe it was. Uh, he says, The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. Verse 12, Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And then verse 13, he says, Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Righteousness, then, is not merely the absence of evil, but doing the will of God. I'm, re I'm reminded of Acts 10, verse 34 and 35, where Peter says, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of person, but in every nation he that feareth God and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. So that's the type of person we need to be. Have a reverence for God, a, a respect for God, a fear of God, and then strive to work righteousness. And we're still going to make enough mistakes. Uh, if we cleanse, if we, to give you an example, if we clean the, all of the weeds out of a field and not cut all the briars and everything, we prepare the ground to plant, and then we don't plant anything in it, what's going to happen to it? It's going to grow right back up, isn't it? We're going to only invite in a brand new crop of weeds and briars and, and sprouts. You know, when I was uh, just a teenager, we'd come down to my grandpa's house in, in Jackson County from Detroit on vacations, and they would be out there in the springtime like now grubbing, you know. Most of you know what grubbing is, don't you? And uh, they would go out and grub local sprouts for a week before they ever stuck the plow on the ground, you know. And so if we don't do something, it'll just grow right back up. That's the way the Christian life is. We've got to believe in something. And we've already quoted Hebrews 11.6. It's impossible to please God, for we must that cometh to God. We, if he cometh to God, he must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently uh, seek after him. In John 8 and verse four, uh, 24, he says, If ye believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. We've got to believe in something, and we've got to believe in Christ. So we might look in number six, the method by which Christian character can be developed. To develop Christian character in Ephesians 4, 25 through 32, if you read that chapter when you get home, I'm sure you will really see what that he would have us to do and the, uh, the life that he would have us to live. But he says, he lists four common sins here. First of all, he said, put away falsehood. Speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are all members one of another. Then he says, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. If you're angry with a brother, you go to that brother before the sun goes down, and you make things right if you're aware of that. And then he said, let him that stole steal no more. Verse 28. You know, there was a story they used to tell about this black preacher that went to this congregation and he took his text from Ephesians 4 there 28 and let him stole steal no more. And that night he came back and he preached the same lesson again. Some of the brethren called him aside after that, you know, and they said, hey preacher, he said, don't you know any more sermons? He said, yeah, but you guys haven't started practicing that yet. <laughs> so we've got to let our, you know, our practice ought to coincide with our 
preaching we got with our lives. And then we talked about let, let no communication, uh, filthy communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. Ephesians 4 and verse 32 says we're to be kind one to another. Tender-hearted. That means able to show compassion. Forgiving each other, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven us. How can we expect God to forgive us if we're not willing to forgive others? Someone asked the question, how many times, you know? Seven times? Jesus said 70 times seven, if is necessary. It's unlimited. We should have a forgiving spirit. You know, the gospel, it catches all kinds of people. And some of the, the most wicked, and some it's not so wicked, but they all have to go through the same, same procedure to become a child of God. And so these, when we become a child of God, we have to adjust to this new life. We have to have a change, you know, take place. We can't do the things that we always did before, you know. It might not be according to God's will. We, when we develop Christian principles, we don't want to fall back into sin, really. You know, Peter describes this condition. He says the latter state is worse than the first with them. In 2 Peter 2, verses 20, 21, and 22, verse 20, For after they have escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein, in sin, and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning or the, or the first. Verse 21. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn again from the holy commandment once delivered unto them. He's just saying it would be better not to even know the way of righteousness than to know it and then turn back into sin, you know, deliberately. Verse 22. But if it, it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog has returned to his own vomit and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. That's the, that's the way Peter describes a Christian that has apostatized and gone back into sin. And friends, when you apostatize and go back into sin, you're just as lost then as you were before you ever obeyed the gospel to start with if you remain in that condition the rest of your life. You know, in Hebrews 12 and 1, here Paul says, Wherefore, seeing we are also encompassed about with so great a cloud of witness, he says, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, uh, looking to Jesus, the altar and finisher of our faith. And he goes on, I think, to say, Who for the joy set before him endures the cross, despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. In Matthew 5 and verse 8, we mentioned this at the offset of the lesson. He said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Christ wants us to be pure and wants us to be faithful. And we have to be faithful all the days of our life to the best of our ability if we expect to inherit that crown that has been prepared for us. You know that Paul talks about in 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 8 down through there, you know. Said, I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and dead, his appearing kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and turn away from the truth, and turn unto fables. But he says, Watch out all things, endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. 
He said, for the time of my departure is at hand, I fought a good fight, I finished the course, I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me in that day. And not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. Friend, we have to be enlightened by the Scriptures. That's, you know, Jesus said in John 14, there about verse 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's the only way into Christ. Uh, I mean, through, to God is through Christ. In 2 Timothy 2, how do we become enlightened? 2 Timothy 2, 15. What's these words, the S words? Study. To show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing or handling aright the word of truth. John 5.39 says, Search the scriptures, for they in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And then Acts 17.11, I really like this, this scripture right here. He says, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. In Revelation 2.10, he says here, And the devil shall cast some of you into prison that you may be tried. You shall receive tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful, how long? Unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. God wants us to be pure and faithful uh, in his service. He desires us to be that. In order to be in, on, on the right road, we, of course, his plan of salvation is simple. That we're to hear the word. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing with the word of God. We need to believe. John 5, 39, there we said, if except you believe it, I'm he, you'll die in your sins. Repentance is taught in Luke 13, 3 and 13, 5. I tell you, nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Confession is taught. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Says, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And then baptism, we talked about this a little bit in Lester's class, and he done an excellent job this morning on the class. Baptism, there's nothing in the scriptures taught any plainer than baptism in so many places. You can start in Acts 2.38, you can go on into uh, uh, Galatians 3.26 and 27, Romans 6, 1 through 6. 1 Peter 3.21, the lack figure whereunto even baptism, doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God. Acts 22.16, and why tarest thou? Arise and be baptized, wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. We've heard these over and over, but this is the story that never grows old that we've sung about, you know. This is, God remains the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He never changes. If we are separated from God, you can rest assured that God is not moved, that it is the individual that has moved his life away from God. So he, his desire is that we be pure and faithful in this life and that we will be saved eternally at the, after the day of, at the day of judgment. Pardon me. His invitation is always extended. In two places that I know of... Uh, is it? I believe it's uh, Acts 11 or uh, 28, 29, and 30. Either that or Matthew, I'm not sure. He said, Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest in your soul. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. 
Another one, in Revelation 22, 17, he says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him come and take of the water of life freely. That's a grand and great invitation, isn't it? We, talk, we talked this morning about we cannot expect God to bend His will to coincide with ours. But rather, we have to bend our will to coincide with God's law and His commandments. If you're subject to the Lord's invitation, you have the opportunity to come right now while we stand and sing the song selected.